I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is author Mark Scott. He's, uh, his new book is Drunk Log. Jack Curran isn't just hoping to drown his sorrows during his evening pub crawl through downtown Cincinnati's Over the Rhine neighborhood. He's hoping to actually drown in the Ohio River. But not until he has poured his heart onto paper in the dollar store notebook he's got with him. Aptly referred to as the drunk log, Jack's notebook contains the secret to his pain, and a bartender with a sixth sense will sneak a peek just in time. Mark Scott's compelling story of one man's last hurrah, Drunk Log, invites readers to follow a relatable protagonist who, in the midst of buckling under oppressive guilt, embarks on one last bar crawl before he plans to end his own life. Scott spent four years traveling, (coughs) losing my voice, the world, aboard the USS Mount Whitney, later completing a degree in education. <clears throat> only to become a banker soon thereafter. Drunk Log is a darkly humorous, introspective exploration into one man's attempt to find peace in the face of unrelenting pain. Welcome to the show, Mark. Good morning. Thank you for having me. <clears throat> Great to have you as I'm choking on my morning coffee. Oh, okay, Drunk Log. First question is, who is the book for? Who's going to read your book? And why are they going to read the book? Why do you think they're going to read the book? Um, I, I think people would read the book because the character, the, especially the two main characters, are very relatable to us as people. And I think that we can all see ourselves in, the, in those characters or see parts of ourselves in those characters. Okay, we can see parts of ourselves in those characters. What about you? How relatable is this to your own life? You know, many novelists, they write memoirs, they write novels, and sometimes it's a, or oftentimes, or most times, it's a combination of fiction, but also very relatable to their own experiences. Uh, right. I, 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 I don't think I can escape myself uh, when I'm writing, so there's some of me... <laughs> Uh, probably in sort of everybody in the book, uh, because it's stuff that I understand or that I've been through or gone through or done myself, um, and that that comes through. And I, for it to be realistic, either I need to question somebody and understand somebody who's done the things that my characters are doing, or having done them myself. In this case, I'm, I'm very familiar with the neighborhood and its environs. So. And are you very familiar with the bars? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, yeah. All the bars are actually, uh, except for one, which none of the characters goes into, but they, the, uh, they're all real places close to where I live. So at the end, the last sentence was, uh, Drunk Log is a <clears throat> darkly humorous introspective exploration into one man's attempt to find peace in the face of unrelenting pain, his guilt, as I understand it. Okay, so how does that become humorous? He's contemplating, and we're not going to tell the end of this, the story, but uh, suicide. Um, how does that become darkly, how, how, how is that funny? 
Well, I'm not sure that suicide itself is funny. His his path getting there is both. um, It it is dark and introspective, and then some of the things that happened to him along the way, or the the recurring things that happened to him. For instance, you know, he wants to be left alone. He's sitting in bars writing in a journal, so, so to speak. Uh, sort of his last will and testament, and he keeps getting bugged by uh, people interrupting him over and over again. Um, Somebody with an open notebook in a bar seems to be like a magnet for people asking the question, oh, what are you writing? Um, So I I think the, the things that occur to him along the way are actually, you know, there are some funny things that happen to him. While the overall story arc isn't necessarily, you know, funny in a clownish way at all. Uh, he's suffering he, from, he has a lot of guilt, right? This is part of his, this is part of the story. Correct, right? correct. Yeah, yeah he's, uh, uh, the main character is a 30-year-old engineer responsible for the death of his seven-year-old nephew. And that's what he's dealt with, living with for a year, and you know, his family essentially disowns him and he's been alone and uh, never found a way to get past uh, his responsibility in the death. So in the end, he's he's decided to to finish it and leave behind something for those who might want to understand, leave behind the drunk log so that they can see where he was at on that last day and, and his remembrances of, of all the time before. And then in step, or I say uh, he's at this last watering hole, a gregarious, as it's described, bartender named Aria. And this changes everything for him or everything begins to evolve differently. Yeah. Um, so the, we're, Jack lives in the building in which the first bar is located. And in that bar is the bartender, Aria, who is made up. But the, uh, and early in the book, you know, she knows him, he knows her. They've had a very short romantic encounter um, earlier, you know, before the book begins. And um, she, she doesn't fully understand everything that's happening with him, but she she quickly feels protective of him as he's trying to write in the in the notebook, and people are annoying him. So she begins to fend people off, and then he is as the bar fills, he's pulled away from the bar and his notebook. He he hands it to her and says, "Hey, can you hide this for me?" And she does, but she grabs a a peek at it herself and. Uh, suspects that um, he will do himself harm and uh, then once he leaves that bar she goes on on a hunt for him to make to try to make sure he'll be okay Okay. and that becomes her, her her role so they're going to rewrite their he's going to rewrite his his story will be rewritten hopefully um as will hers, right? Uh, at this point, when she's able to see what he's about to do or wants to do. 
So Right. And uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I'm go sorry. ahead. I was gonna say Arya has her own demons that she's dealing with and they're similar to his. So she she feels very connected to that within him. So in terms of the overall theme, I guess maybe this is related to the first question I asked you. How does this how do we how does the reader identify with the with with um with Jack and Arya? How do we how does each one of how does this I guess that's the question. How do we identify with these characters? What makes right. them, yeah, what makes it a compelling read for us? I think because um, both the main characters are, are in search of redemption. And I think that nearly all of us as adults crave that as well. Um, for it may not be the specific thing that happened to these characters, but we've all done things in our lives that we regret and wish we could turn back the clock and make a different choice. Um, and, but since we can't do that, we, we all have to move on and we, we all want to be forgiven. Um, you know, in a way it, it, <laughs> with, with the river aspect, you, uh, I, and I didn't do it on purpose, but I was relating it to it's a wonderful life. Um, and, uh, the main character jumping into the the river for, you know, because an angel is pretending he's drowning. Mm -hmm. So in this case, the angel is probably Aria. So in other words, we can identify with, um, oh, I suppose we can identify with Jack or Aria or both, but redemption is one of the themes I, I'm trying to, you would say, and that we all have things that we feel guilty about, that we feel we had done differently. Uh, maybe we're not in a position to think about doing the extreme as Jack is in the book, but uh, right. yeah, but that, and I think that's true, but we have to go forward. I think that's, and um, I think that is what's happening in the novel, but uh, I'm also reading that dr Drunk Log is the first installment in a three-part Day in the Life series. So tell us about that. This is just only the beginning. This is the first part of, this is book one? Correct. So um, the it, in the three parts, each book covers about eight hours of a 24-hour period. So th this is the beginning of their 24-hour adventure together, which kind of, you know, lets the reader know that, they'll survive the <laughs> book <Yeah. laughs> one anyway. And, uh, um, and then each, the, the two succeeding books, um, are put them in situations that are physically and emotionally different than book one or, or the, the other two. Okay, so so they're, they're hopefully each unique on their own, but fit together if, if read, you know, one, two, three. That's, you know, a day in the life of, and then the, uh, 24 hours, uh, three different books. How did you come up with that? I mean, I, I it, like what, that's, I think um, that's kind of unique. That's different. Well, thank you. Actually, um, I can't take credit for it. It was sort of uh, an, an idea pitched by my 
the gentleman who edited Drunk Log for me. <clears throat> you know, uh, a gentleman. He's named David Tabaski. He's in New York, uh, as a matter of fact, and um, is a has been a great collaborator for this for this series. Great to bounce ideas off. He has ideas of his own to give to me. And, uh, and that's how, that's how it came to be developed for over the three books. Scott, is this your first book, your first novel? Um, it is not. It is the first to be professionally published, however. Mm-hmm. So that's very different than whatever others that you wrote. I mean, if this is professionally published. Let me ask you this. Now, your own life. Let's talk about that because I, I think I read in the beginning that, uh, well, you have a degree in education and then you became a banker. So that's an, uh, yeah. And then <laughs> first you were military, you were in the military, traveled the world. Then you're, right. uh, yeah, get a degree in education, Miami university. Um, and then you became a banker. So let's kind of trace, I'd like to hear about your trajectory in terms of your own life. Sure. Cause that's very interesting. <laughs> and those three things are very different. Yeah. Um, okay. So when I was eight, I'll you will go back in time. When I was okay. eight, I, there was two things I knew I wanted to do. I wanted to write books, which is odd for an eight-year-old, and I wanted to go in the Navy. And uh, this was during a period where you could get book covers for your books that you know had. I don't know if you recall the old "Run Silent, Run Deep" campaigns from the eighties, um, but uh, so. When I got out of high school, I, I went into service. I did that, and um, I'm very happy that I did. And I, during that period also is when I tried, uh, started, you know, working towards novel writing. Um, luckily on the ship, there was plenty of uh, quiet time to, to write, and, uh, and I had access to an office and a typewriter. So when I got out, I... I thought, well, the next logical step was college, and uh, and I had always planned to do that as well. I, I just didn't know what I was going to do. And then when when I was in the service, I thought I figured out that I wanted to be a teacher, and um, that's so that's when I ended up getting my degree in. And I never did get a job teaching um, for various and sundry reasons. I couldn't, <laughs> I could not find a job. Uh, I did substitute teach for about a year and then uh, decided to, that it was time to get a real job and not, you know, substitute teach during the day and wait tables at night. So I took a job um, in uh, finance, which I had to learn from the ground up. And, you know, one thing leads to another, and here I am today still in banking. Um, and still so you're writing. still a banker, and still you're a banker, and at the same time writing these novels. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Because I, yeah, um, it's interesting. I don't have a vision of bankers writing novels. I, it's <laughs> it, it kind of. I think thing. I'm the only yeah. one. Yeah, probably you are. That's good. You're, yeah, <laughs> it's unique. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think bankers tend to write uh, books about banking. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always say, uh, you know, the quickest way to make money in writing is to write a book about writing. 
So probably the same for banking. The easiest way to make money in banking is to write a book about banking. That's right, exactly. <laughs> so, well, that's good. So you're right. You're creative. Well, you have a lot of different aspects to your personality, I guess, and your talents, um, which is great. I mean, and and as I say, as it unique. So you decided to go back to Cincinnati. I mean, is that where you're originally from? No. Um, or why I Cincinnati? Was, yeah, I was sort of, we moved around a lot. I, I, I tell people dad was always on the lamb, so we had to keep moving, uh, keep one step out of the law. But the, uh, <laughs> we, um, I was born in the middle of the state, north of Columbus. We moved to the Detroit area when I was a toddler, um, lived there until, you know, uh, middle school years and moved down to the Southern Ohio area. And when I got out of the service, um, my family had scattered to the four winds and, uh, my father was still here and I, I had, I had been accepted to Miami of Ohio. So I, that's why I ended up back, back in Cincinnati. Yeah. And it's weird where life takes you. I, I thought, well, you know, maybe I should have gone to Seattle or, you know, Scotland, but uh, I, I was familiar with the area and I had family here, so that's why I came back. Well, you can write anywhere. You can uh, do a radio show anywhere. Actually, today is a good time <laughs> to be wherever you want to be. It doesn't really matter. Um, so wherever you're comfortable. Uh, and I guess the, the, the next question is, uh, I don't want to kind of give away, and I mentioned this before the interview, I don't like to kind of give away the the, the book, the story, because uh, we sort of want to tantalize people because they need to go out and well, buy the book or listen to the book, I assume. Can you listen to this book on Audible? Uh, no, not yet. Uh, well, you know, I don't know. I, I, I haven't checked that. I know that my publisher has not turned it into an audio book um, and that He's probably waiting to sell X amount of copies before, yeah. uh, before <laughs> there's an economics to that, of course. And uh, I, I don't, I'm not sure how Audible works. It, it, well, I, yeah, you well, know, you're a banker. You should know how it works. I, were gonna, I, I should, just, yeah. You know. There's all kinds of stuff I should know that I don't. <laughs> That's right. Um, uh, I, I listen, I, as a, I guess as a radio person, I now listen to a lot of books and rather than uh, – read them, I have to say. And uh, it's an easy way of uh, accessing books. I like doing it. I like, you know, but um, yeah, well, I'm You're sure not the that... first person to tell me that. Apparently it's gotten, it's really gaining some, some ground, the audio books. Uh, I think it is because, I mean, I, I do a lot of walking and exercising and it's a good time instead of having to walk with other people and talk, I can just listen to uh, you know, listen, and or if you're traveling, and I, if one travels a lot, yeah, it's it's a it's another medium. It's so talk to your editor about that. But um, I have another question about because I didn't ask you about uh, drunk log. Is that your title? Because I know a lot of authors they have a title, but then their editors change the title, and that's always an issue. I don't know if that yeah, was no, that that was mine, um, yeah. and it was actually. Yeah, it was a, a a friend who actually gave me the idea, and then um, 
So I stuck with with her title for her own drunk log. Yeah, it's a good title. It's it's it, I it's um I don't want to use the word catchy, um, but it it is. It, it I like the title. What about your family? How do they relate to all of this? Um, my family accepts me for uh, what whatever I do. <laughs> <laughs> and, and are generally supportive. Um, they, they've suffered through earlier earlier novels and uh, where I, they've been forced to read stuff that maybe wasn't as good as this one, but uh, maybe it was. Um, but no, they've been. My, my family is. We we don't live close to each other except my mom actually does live a block from me now. But uh, the uh, yeah, they they've they, they've always been supportive. Um. So I'm I'm very lucky in that regard. Um, interesting because um, I guess families can either be supportive or not, and uh, you know I think that's always interesting in terms of like to hear how that happens with you. One of the things about writers um, is uh, during COVID, uh, I'm sort of switching topics here, but I, many of the writers that I've interviewed have said um, that it was during COVID, it was an opportunity and a time for them to write. It was easy for them because they had to quarantine and uh, it was more quiet time. So it sort of was an, very easy for them to do that. Um, I, I don't know if that was your experience. Uh, it absolutely was. Um I was also transitioning from one job to another during the pandemic. So I had all this, I had a goodly amount of time to myself in my, in my condo downtown, you know, everything was shut down. I had nowhere to go. Um, might as well finish that book, uh, polish it up. <laughs> so that's what I ended up doing, uh, along with, I, I mean, I, I didn't look into other people's windows, uh, to see what they were doing, but I imagine they were up to similar activities. I wonder how many novels have been produced by the pandemic that are now sitting at a bottom drawer somewhere. Well, that could be. They didn't really. They uh, yeah. They wrote them during the pandemic, but it never really. <clears throat> they never really got out. So, talk to us about. Uh, and we kind of brief, you know, briefly did talk about this. But what about uh, where can we get more information about? About your writing, about what you do, and about your, you know, how we can, where, where, where we can buy the book, uh, et cetera, websites we can go to. Yeah, the book is available at Barnes & Noble and Amazon, um, as well as Apple Books. Um, of course, I, you know, just from a general Googling the book, I... Uh, I see that you can go to any bookstore, and of course they will order it for you. They have access to it. Um, you can go to my website, markescottauthor.com, and uh, look at some information there and also click through to the book through that website. You can go to my publisher, Speaking, in, uh, Speaking Volumes, uh, get the book there. There's really multiple ways to achieve this task of buying my book. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so there's no excuse for not going out and buy the book. Um, great having That's you on the show say. today. 
um, good luck with the book. And the title of the book is Drunk Log, and the author is Mark E. Scott, and it is a series. This is the first in the series. It's a three-part series. So, um, yeah, we'll be looking forward to the second part or the second book, second part of the story. Thanks. Thanks so much, Mark. Thank you very much for having me on. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. (laughs) 